Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 40. We're going to have to really move along today because I got two chapters. Usually it's like two words, right? Two, two verses. <laughs> but that's okay. We can do this because it's all one message. Today we're going to see how, first of all, I've got, got to get my pages right here. There we go. So we're looking at Joseph, right? And we've been looking at Joseph for two, two other lessons, and, and this is number three. And kind of overarching this whole concept of Joseph, or the, 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 this man Joseph is the theme of Romans 8.28, 828, and it says, We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we know that all things are working together good for good, even in Joseph's life, even when it didn't seem like it, they were working together for good, and that's true for us today as well. But we, we never quote Romans 829, and someone pointed this out. And, and this is what it says in Romans 8, 29. He says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the context there is all things working together for good, but God has planned it all out, and, and his purpose is, is that we would be more like Jesus. And so... You know, the stuff that happens where God is using that in our lives to make us to be conformed to the image of his son, to be more like Jesus in this world. And so that's, you know, we have to remember that when these trials and stuff are, are happening in our lives, what God is doing has a purpose and a plan. Now, study number one, we talked about Joseph the dreamer, right? And, and he was the favorite son of his father and his brothers were very jealous of him because about it because of it, and, and they hated him for it. And then, to make matters worse, Joseph has these dreams, right, that says that his brothers are going to bow down before him. And then he has another dream that says his, not only his brothers, but his parents are going to bow down before him. Of course, you know, that was like adding fuel to the fire, and they're like, no way, you know, you know we're, we've had enough of you, little brother. And so they end up selling him. These brothers ended up selling him. And, and, and he has much suffering ahead of him. But in the end, God uses all of that to accomplish his purposes. Study number two, we see, you know, Joseph is, you know, he's in the house of Potiphar. And he's, you know, he's been given responsibility there. But Joseph, we see in this, in this uh Study number two, he runs for his life because character matters. And even when it costs, character matters. Joseph ran from the advances of his boss's wife, right? He's, he's a servant, but he's been put in a place of responsibility. And his boss's wife was going after him. So he said, I, you know, I, no, I'm out of here. He did everything he could. But in the end, he had to just get out of there. And because of it, where did he run to. He ran straight to prison. He tried to do the right thing, and where did he end up? He ended up in prison. Now, we, we need to take note of that 
situation as well. Let me just throw this out there that we need to watch out that attacks are real and temptation is real. And Joseph knew that it was wrong. And so in the end, he refused. He refused even to be with her. And then he ran and he ended up in prison. But even there in prison, the Lord was with Joseph, it says. The Lord was with Joseph every step of the way. And all these things that seemed so terrible, he was there every step of the way, and it says that he prospered. And, and it, it, it's a very clear that God did not abandon Joseph, and sometimes we think that he does. Now today, we're going to see how God turns all of this around. He's going to take it from, you know, the prison to the palace, right? That God can do these impossible things. So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's jump right in. Chapter 40, verse 1, and we're going to go quickly. So keep up with me if you can. Verse 1, it says, sometime later, he's now in prison, but he's got a lot of responsibility even in the prison. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, they offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. He took care of them. He watched over them. He had responsibility. You think this was just coincidence that they ended up in the same prison where Joseph was? See, God was working. Again, all things were working for the good, and God was doing something there. They go to the same prison. They're actually assigned to Joseph, these two guys. Now, It says, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer, the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, they had a dream the same night. They both had a dream on the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. They each had a dream. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? They have these dreams, right? And they just, they got upset about it. Now, you know, dreams, God can use dreams, right? We're going to see he uses dreams in in these two chapters in a big way. There are different people in the Bible that have dreams and and God uses them. But, you know, it's not something that is often, that, that often happens. Can he still do it today? Of course he can. But our primary method of hearing from God is through his word. But if you have a dream and you think it's from God, if it goes uh, contrary to what his word says, well, then you know it was just a dream and you had some bad pizza that, that night, right? So, so but he, they're having this dream and right, and they're, they're kind of upset about it. And notice here, Joseph, you know, Joseph's situation isn't that great, right? Now, he's been given responsibility. He's been kind of put, you know, in charge of a lot of people in the prison, But he was still locked up. He was still in prison. He was still in a bad situation. But he, it says that he noticed that these two other prisoners now, they were like dejected. He noticed that they were sad. Even though his situation was bad, he still cared and looked around at others. Sometimes we get so focused on how bad my situation is, our situation is, we, we don't even see around us that people are in trouble. Now, if, if he had never paid attention to them, this story would not have continued. 
If he had been so focused on himself, this story would not have continued in the way that it does. So he, he notices them. Not only did he notice, but it says that he asked them about it. He wasn't afraid to get involved. That's kind of like how it is. You know, we, we sometimes we notice someone, we might even notice, but we don't want to get involved. You know, we say, how's it going? But we don't really mean it, right? We don't want to get involved because, but, but the blessings that, that Joseph got out of being involved in this are huge. So the question we want to ask ourselves, do we, do we even notice what's going on around us and the people around us? And then do we, do we take the time to ask them, like, are you okay? Like, you don't look so good. Verse 8. We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. What does he do? The first thing he does is he, he says, we have to ask God what the interpretation is. I don't have the interpretation. Tell me your dreams. But the interpretation comes from God. In other words, he points to God. He does this twice. He does this with them. He does this with Pharaoh as well. That He, he, he doesn't point to himself like, oh, I can, I can uh, interpret that for you. I'm pretty good at that. No, he says, God will do it. God can do it. Tell me your dreams. Now, Joseph, we know already because of what we've, what we've studied and looked at in his life, he was familiar with dreams, right? He had the two dreams already, and it, it kind of got him into some hot water, but, but God had spoken those dreams into his life. Verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. So he tells him the dream. It's like, wow, that's kind of strange. That's kind of weird. But but, but Joseph has the interpretation because God gave it to him. Verse 12, he said, this is what it means. The three branches are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And, and, and even here, I have done nothing to deserve being in a dungeon. So he has the interpretation for the cupbearer's dream, and it's good news, right? It's very good news. He's going to be brought back to his position. He's going to be given his old job back. Now, we don't know what, how, why the cupbearer and the baker got in trouble. Some think, well, maybe, you know, somebody had tried to poison the, the king or whatever, or somebody had a plan or whatever, and, and he wasn't sure which one it might have been. We don't know for sure, but, but, but he gives good news to this, to this cupbearer. And, and, but, but notice that he, even in that, he, after he gives him the interpretation, he says, don't, don't forget me, remember me. And mention me to Pharaoh. So, so even though Joseph was doing the very best he could in his situation, he wasn't like dumb. He knew it wasn't the, the best. And so he says, 
you know, tell Pharaoh about me so I can get out of here. I, I'm innocent, is what he was saying. I was forcibly carried here. I've done nothing wrong. I, I'm innocent. So though Joseph was doing the best he could, he, he wasn't necessarily happy about his circumstances. So again, we're looking at a guy who, you know, was, was sold by his brothers into slavery. He you know, worked in a house. He got thrown into prison from there for, for trying to do the right thing. He's in prison now. And, and his circumstances are not that great. But, he, but God was with him in all of that. And, and he did the best he could. He worked hard. But he, he didn't necessarily have to, like, say it was the best. You know, it was like positive confession. Well, this is the, you know, I'm having the best life I can right now. No. He said, I got to get out of here. And, and sometimes we think, you know, we have to just uh, be a martyr or something. Well, no, sometimes we need to do what we can to get out of the circumstances and get into something better. So he asked him, will you please tell the Pharaoh about me when you get out of here? Verse 16 when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. And on my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods, like donuts and stuff, right? For Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. That's kind of weird. This is what it means, Joseph said. The baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat away your flesh. Oh, my. Not such a good, not such a good news there, is it? It was, in fact, bad news. Joseph gave the truth to the baker as well. And no matter what the truth was, Joseph gave the truth, whether it was good news or bad news. We can't always just say good stuff, right? And the Bible doesn't only have good stuff to say. Like some people will cut out all the bad stuff and say, well, there's no such thing as hell. There's no such thing as sin. We only can focus in on, you know, the good stuff. But the Bible is full. You know, in reading the book of Revelation, and you, look, you read the book of Revelation, there are, you know, there are judgments. There is the wrath of God that that is talking about there. Joseph gave him the truth. Notice, a little side note, notice that he doesn't ask the baker to remind Pharaoh <laughs> that he is in prison. Verse 20. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. And he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Just as Joseph had said. So the test of a, an interpretation, the test of of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge, a word of faith, a word, you know, prophecies. The test is always what? That it actually is true, that it actually happens. And that's exactly what happened here. What Joseph had said was exactly what happened. That's the true test. 
you know, people I've heard through the years, people say, well, this is what God is saying right now. And it never comes to be. Because it really wasn't from God. It was from them. If it's from God, it will, it will come true. It will be true. It will happen. But verse 23, notice this. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He didn't remember Joseph. You know, he thought, you know, hey, this is going to be good for me. This is going to get me out. But he, he didn't remember him. In other words, he let him down. Have you ever had anybody let you down? He never heard from him again, you know. People will let us down. But, but the truth of the matter is that God didn't forget him. That's the important part. The, the cupbearer, it says he forgot Joseph, but God didn't forget. God still had a plan. God is still on the throne. God still is doing something. And God has not forgotten his people though we think that he does sometimes. Have you ever been going through a trial perhaps and you just think, you know, God, where are you in the middle of all this? Because I, I, don't, I, don't I don't even think you remember me. It's what we, what we read in Psalm 13. David said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But in the middle of this whole scenario is the fact that God's timing was the right timing, right? It wasn't time yet. It absolutely wasn't time yet. So, so he's there in prison. He thinks this guy forgot all about him, but God hasn't forgotten. And God hasn't forgotten about you, no matter what you might be facing. Chapter 41, now let's move on. More dreams. Two years later, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Now Pharaoh has a dream. Two years. Joseph's still, you know, serving in that prison, wondering, you know, what, you know, why the cupbearer didn't say something on his behalf. But now Pharaoh has a dream, and it says he was standing by the Nile, and when out of the river there came up seven cows sleek and fat and after they grazed among the reeds and they grazed among the reeds and after them seven other cows ugly and gaunt came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows then Pharaoh woke up Man, can you imagine having a dream like that seven cows eating seven other cows cows don't normally eat cows by the way then Pharaoh woke up. I'm sure he was like he was in a sweat. But he fell asleep again and he had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. And the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. He has these two crazy, wild dreams, two of them. In the morning, his mind was troubled, kind of like the chief cupbearer and the baker. They were troubled in the morning after having these dreams. So, so Pharaoh sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt, and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. He told them all his dreams, but they, they, there was no help there. The magicians, the, the wise men of Egypt... 
No help there. Sometimes we go to the world to get our answers, don't we? We need to go to God because that's the one who has the answers. Verse 9, then, two years later, then, after Pharaoh has these two dreams, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me. And the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard, each of us had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was hanged. Now, you see, the timing is coming, and he remembers Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh the story of what happened. So Pharaoh hears this, and, and he, he's not gotten any help from the magicians, really the sorcerers, and the, and the people of the world, the wise men of, of Egypt, he's not getting any help there. So it says he sends for Joseph, verse 14, and Joseph was quickly brought from the dungeon. It wasn't a necessarily a nice prison. It was a dungeon. And when he had shaved and, and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. And no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Notice what Joseph says. He says, I cannot do it. Flat out. I cannot do it. And he told the same to the others. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. He just had faith that God is going to work it out. That God was going to do something. God was going to speak. He'd already done it once before with these two others. I can't. But God can. And God will give the answer. He points to God. You know, what a principle that is for you and I. We need to point to God. God is going to use us to speak to people. We have to say, it's, it's God that has, has done this. I, I haven't done anything. Verses 17 through 24, we won't read them all because he just basically repeats the dreams. He adds a couple more details in there, but he, he repeats the dream. So jump down to verse 25, and it says, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. They have the same meaning in the end. God has real, revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Isn't, isn't that like, like what the prophecies that we have in the Bible are? That God has revealed ahead of time what he is about to do or what he is going to do. The Bible, this is what, one of the things that makes the Bible such an incredible book because it's full of prophecies of things that will take place. And we've already seen so many prophecies already fulfilled. Yet there are many, many more yet to be fulfilled. But God will fulfill every one of them. And, and that's exactly what we see here in this passage. Verse 26, the seven good cows are seven years. 
And the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. So we have seven good years. And then we have seven years of famine. Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. And the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. God will do it soon. God is going to do it. You know, God had this purpose and this plan and nothing could stop it. God will do it soon. Verse 33, And now let Pharaoh... Look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. And this food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Joseph had some advice, and I think this advice was given to him by God as well. He got wisdom about, well, okay, that's what the dream was about, seven good years and seven bad years. Well, well, what do you do about that? And Joseph says to him, look, you need somebody You need to look for somebody who can handle this for you. You need need a leader and you need a plan. There's some wisdom in in all of these things. And these things that Joseph said, you need a leader and you need a plan. You need to store up during the good times for when the bad times come. That's good wisdom for us, isn't it? To store up, to to plan ahead. We don't know if things are going to get difficult. So store up ahead of time. Plan ahead. Put a little bit aside. Wisely planning ahead, it's a good practice. So Joseph said, you know, you need to find somebody to do that. What does Pharaoh say? The plan seemed good to Pharaoh, to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, again, this is God that gave it to him, and Pharaoh acknowledged it, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. You see how things are turning around for this guy who's circumstances, he's in prison and, and, and God opens it up, right? He, he opens it up and, and, he, and he, he says, 
I've got a plan. I've got something that's going to happen here. And Pharaoh could see that the Spirit of God, he, he could see God in this guy's life, in this, this man Joseph's life, even in the short time that he had seen him. And so Pharaoh says, you know what? That's a good idea, Joseph, so I choose you. You got a good idea. I want you to put it into practice. That's kind of wild, isn't it? You know, I have seen so many times through the years where people will come and they'll say, I have this excellent idea that you should put into practice. And there have been times when I say, you know what, maybe you're the one that's supposed to do that. Everybody has a lot of good ideas for other people to do, but sometimes God gives us good ideas because that's what we're supposed to do. And that's exactly what happened here. You got this great idea. Okay, we'll do it. Maybe you have an idea of something that needs to be done, something that should be fulfilled. And maybe God is saying, I want you to do that. That's what happened with Joseph. Verse 41. Can you believe how fast we're moving here? Verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. And Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphenath, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph has now gone from the prison to the palace. He's been given this huge responsibility. Now you have to, again, look at the, really the sweep of the whole story here. Joseph was, you know, sold into slavery. He got put into to Potiphar's house, but, but in Potiphar's house, he was responsible, he did what he could, and then he was put in charge of the house. Well, he got into trouble with, with Potiphar's wife, and he, and he gets put into prison, but, but in prison, he was a responsible person, and the warden put him in charge of the, the prison there, gave him responsibility. But now in all Egypt, he, he, he has been given this huge responsibility. See, when you think about it, he, the, those things that were happening along the way, he was, he was serving and he was learning, and, and they were all kind of preparation for what was ahead of him. So I think the, the, the message for you and I is to be faithful where we are because God will, will, will use it to prepare us for something that perhaps he has planned ahead for you and for me. Verse 46 Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. 30 years old. He wasn't really that old, but, but you know, this whole, this whole story started when he was only 17. So, so this is 13 years of preparation, 13 years of getting ready. ready and and that, that, that wasn't... the. You know, they weren't easy years of preparation. 
You think about a guy like Moses, right? Moses, how many years did Moses have to get ready to lead the people of Israel? Actually, actually, it was 40 plus 40. It was 80, right? He was in the house of, of Pharaoh for 40 years, and he was kind of learning all about so many different things. And then he fled out, and he was out in the wilderness for another 40 years. So really, he was 80 years old. He was 80 years preparation until when he went back and said, you know, let my people go and, and became the leader of the, the nation of Israel. What's God preparing you for? What's God preparing me for? It's all, it's all part of his plan, all part of his purposes. Verses 47 through 49, Joseph puts this plan into action. He does exactly what the plan was. They stored up all the food during the good years. Now he's been given a wife. But look, jump down to verse 50. He's also having, having kids here during the good years. It says, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah. Stephan. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And he said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And the second son he named Ephraim. And he said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So he has these two kids. And he names the first one Manasseh. And the word Manasseh uh, sounds like the word for Forget. Now, you know, they would name their kids, you know, names that had to do with the circumstances and with, with what was going on. So he names them Forget. Why? Because God had opened up something new to let him to see, to see what was ahead and, and to forget what was, what was in the past. His second son, he names him Ephraim, which, 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 which means twice fruitful. God had, make, had made him fruitful in the land of his suffering. In the land. He didn't take him out of that place. He, he made him fruitful inside of Egypt. And sometimes we think, I've got to get out of here before I can ever have any fruit in my life. Well, God wants to, you know, you hear that phrase, and I think it's so true that, that we should bloom. What? How's the rest go? Bloom where you're planted. What does God want to do right where you are? And, and God was doing an incredible thing. But, but Joseph came to this place when he, you know, he, 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 he is now in this incredible responsibility, incredible position. And he, and he has a wife and he has these two kids. And he says, you know what, the past is behind me now. And God has made my life so fruitful. There's something about, you know, leaving the past behind and going Toward the, the future. Paul the Apostle says, I'll put it on the screen. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to, to, to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind past and straining to what straining forward to what lies ahead 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, you know what? I've got to put the past behind me. Forget what's behind me and look and press on towards what is ahead. So Joseph is now in this fruitful time of his life and they, they've had, you know, in the middle of these really, really good years, but the hard years came. The hard years start. And, and just as Joseph said, had said, I was thinking about this. I was wondering, what, what would happen if those hard years didn't start? Joseph said, this is what's going to happen. So they got seven good years. And then, it's, then, you know, seven more good years. Then Pharaoh would have said, you know what? Who is this guy that I've given all this responsibility to? But it actually happens. So we see here in Joseph's life, as we kind of wrap this up, you can read the other verses, that, that God had a perfect plan in all of this. And it took years and years to fulfill. Right? But it wasn't easy. It was not easy for God to fulfill these plans in Joseph's life and in the life of Israel. Uh, the people of Israel. Ultimately, as we're going to see in the next section, God uses us to actually help his people to survive and then to actually multiply. But God was at work in, in Joseph's life even when it didn't seem like it. And you and I need to remember that. Even when it doesn't seem like it, God is still at work. Joseph gave all the credit to God, though, in the end, didn't he? I remember Pastor Chuck used to say this. He says, don't touch the glory. Don't touch the glory. He says, God will put you on the shelf. One more quote, and we'll finish with a scripture. All God uses greatly, he first prepares greatly. Few are willing to endure the greatness of God's preparation. God was in both the steps and the stops of Joseph's life. Even when he was moving or even when he got stuck and he stopped in, the, in these places that were difficult places, but God was in it and God was doing something. We'll close with Habakkuk chapter 2 where it says this. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. God has a plan and a purpose, and, and you know, we just have to be patient sometimes. It's going to happen. God's going to take care of it. God's going to do what only God can do. But, but what do we do in the meanwhile? What did David say in Psalm 13? And he says, but I trust I trust in your unfailing love and, I, and I, I will sing and I will rejoice in what you have done and what you are going to do. Joseph, we got through two chapters. Is that amazing? Are you still with me? Wake up. <laughs> Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for so much that we see there, so much that you want to speak and do in our lives and, and that you have a plan and a purpose and all things are working together for the good. 
And the good and the very best is that you would make us to be more like Jesus. That even these trials and the, these, these uh, troubles that we face, the, the stops in our lives, you're going to use them. You are using them. Father, we do cry out to you, uh, heaven help us, Jesus help us, but Lord, we, we also have to surrender and say, what, whatever you want to do, not my will, but yours be done. Seems like it's a long time in this trial. Seems like it's taking too long. Seems like I've been forgotten. People have said they'd help me and they haven't. Yet, when your time is right, Lord, we know you will put it all together. You will accomplish all that you have planned. Your purposes will stand. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to the earth that when the time was right, it says, when the time had come, you sent your son, Jesus, into the world to be the savior of the world. So we now come, we, <clears throat> we surrender our hearts and our lives to him, to Jesus, the savior of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we? Thank <clears throat> you.